Welcome to Smart Trader, the podcast that navigates the global outlook for oil from trading to tankers, bunkers and beyond. Today, we're exploring the impact from the massive volatility in oil prices with analysis from Patrick Hayes, Vice President for the Americas at Inatech, the experts in oil trading and marine risk management. Patrick has a background in trading for the likes of UBS, Merrill Lynch and ConocoPhillips. And we welcome Connie Grossman, Finance Director at Chemlube International, one of the world's leading suppliers of base oils and a major blender of lubricants in the US. I'm Gavin Serkin, Managing Editor of New Markets Media and Intelligence. Welcome all. Um, let's start, Patrick, if we can, with a look at how COVID-19 and the volatility in crude prices that we've seen lately as a result are affecting your world. How are you coping with the challenges? Hello, Gavin. Uh, great question. Um, it's changed it considerably. Uh, I'll focus on two significant ways. Uh, one, there's, there's confusion out there. Uh, typically, an event is good for at least one segment of the market. For example, um, if prices go lower, then that's good for a refiner. If prices go higher, that's good for a producer. Well, what happened here is both got hurt. Um, crude prices were down because of the Saudis and the OPEC clashing, and then product prices, such as gasoline, down for demand destruction. So unlike most events, um, everyone lost. So this is a very difficult situation to be in, and it's one that's quite difficult to plan for. And the second thing is uh, option pricing. Um, valuation models on put options, for example, will forever be changed. Um, in the past, if you sold a naked call, um, the danger was sky's the limit. But you could sell puts all day long because you knew the floor, right? The floor was zero. Well, in May, we were proven that uh, crude could go negative. So um, anyone that was thinking zero was the floor uh, lost at least or up to $37. So um, option valuation models have changed forever. And and um, I wouldn't think that crude prices could go zero or below again, but it's proven that it can happen. So it, it could happen again. So that's going to have to be taken into consideration going forward. Connie, how is all of this, the lower oil price, the disruptions to business affecting your world? How are you coping with the challenges? Well, certainly um, as a blender and global trader of uh, base oils, this uh, rapid collapse of price um, and demand uh, impacted us. Uh, we are um, a leading uh, distributor of lubricants that are used in passenger um, motor oils, uh, which had a significant uh, drop in demand. We also have uh, blending operations uh, in Savannah as well as in Europe. Uh, so certainly we had to be quite nimble to uh, have uh, our operations um, in order, in order to manage all of our exposures. Um, naturally, as a blender, we are long inventory um, in different parts of the world. And we, uh, luckily for us, we were very well positioned from a liquidity point of view 
And we were able to also focus on uh, managing counterparty performance, which was critical during this period. We had to suddenly uh, all work from home um, when it was announced here on uh, March 15th, our office, our main office is located just north of New York City. Um, we had started to plan uh, for the remote operations. Um, and I must say we were very successful in all of us transitioning uh, to uh, managing the business operationally from uh, different locations. Uh, luckily, we have robust uh, cloud-based systems in place. We're very grateful to have a, an ETRM like TechOil, uh, which is a front-to-back uh, solution going into um, vision, allowing us to prepare also all our financial statements. But most importantly, it has allowed us to really, uh, in real time, manage all of our customer exposures. Uh, the system is, uh, we're all accessing it from home, everyone in operations, the sales folks, as well as all the finance team. So we're able to really, uh, real time, uh, manage our inventory levels, our customer exposures, and uh, liquidity, uh, looking at what is coming down the pipeline. Uh, so we've been, um, I've been very grateful uh, for that because it was really a seamless transition for us. I think some of, one of the biggest challenges we had is really uh, how to assess counterparty performance during this period of time. While we knew uh, how we, uh, from a management point of view, were going to manage um, our blending and the managing of the exposures, the uncertainty is always how are all of our counterparties behaving during this period. Um, there were quite a bit of disruptions, brief disruptions at uh, terminals. Uh, we had vessels on the water. Uh, we are a leading uh, supplier of base oils to Nigeria. Uh, there was concern there about discharging vessels uh, due to any COVID contamination of uh, team members on the ships. Uh, we had uh, brief interruptions uh, in Houston at some of the terminals. Um, but we, we got through that. It was a scary time for a couple of days that we had to manage, but all of our counterparties uh, performed very well. Uh, so we were very lucky um, and got through um, a lot of challenging uh, temporary situations. Uh, our cargoes were uh, discharged in Nigeria. Uh, all of that went well. Um, our Savannah operations, uh, the blending always continued. We have the terminal never closed there. We had staff um, on site there, although uh, with the lower demand, obviously uh, sales volume was down. Um, but what we have seen is the ability to uh, purchase further supply at much lower prices, uh, which will help us in our blending operations. So we've been uh, well positioned. Um, and now that we look at it now, going back, uh, we were, I think, quite fortunate uh, with how uh, certain things turned out for us. Has the bigger challenge for you been 
slower demand which you referenced or has it been the dislocation in supply the the challenge of actually getting the lubricant products through and making sure that uh, the cash was in the pipeline uh, and coming to us um, from all bases as far as our international uh, customers in Nigeria customers in Mexico and all of our US customers now you mentioned that some of that demand is coming back. Bring us up to date now. You know, how are you seeing things changing from how they were at the height of the COVID crisis to, to where we are now? Well, we're starting to see um, uh, a pickup, um, forecasting a pickup in um, the lubricants um, in Savannah. Um, you know, maybe an additional 30% pickup from where we were at the low point. Uh, certainly we're not uh, going to be where we were previously. Um, we've had some opportunities on the international trading uh, side. That's been actually going well. Um, as Patrick would, would know during these difficult times, a lot of times it's an opportunity uh, for those traders that uh, have liquidity and can jump in the market and, and take advantage of opportunities that arise. Uh, we have seen that. We have been able to uh, work with our suppliers and take advantage of uh, some good purchases uh, that will help us with our blending operation as well as our trading and distribution. Well, let me bring Patrick in at that point. How, how does this reflect the challenges and the opportunities that you're seeing in the wider oil trading community, Patrick? Well, as Connie mentioned, there will be some players that can actually uh, find a dollar in this situation. And those are the larger players that have physical assets. Uh, right now, the importance of storage has never been more obvious. Um, being a spec trader, it's happened uh, three times in my 20 plus year career where spec trading was dangerous. Um, when Enron fell, obviously in 2001, then when uh, the market fell in 2007 and eight, and now this, um, it, the importance of storage is important again. And that's why Kimlu has done so well um, with having storage on site and being able to meet their clients' needs. But the spec traders right now, you couldn't have planned for this. If, if you sold anything without actually owning product, you had to go find it. But if you sold something and you have storage in place, well, then maybe it's an opportunity loss, but you could pull out a storage to meet your needs. So the larger shops um, can benefit from this. And also if you have a global reach like Kimlube is all over the place. But if I'm a uh, niche area in a couple states here in the US, well, then I might not be able to benefit from having product in this location to be able to meet demand that's now in this location because demand destruction was not everywhere. Not everyone shut down like the major economies. Some economies um, still, uh, they, they didn't really change much. So if you have demand destruction in one location and you have the ability to, to move your product elsewhere, um, you, could really, you could have really benefited from this, this horrible situation. Patrick referenced the need for storage. Um, how, Connie, uh, have you been handling the challenge for storage from Kemlu's perspective? Well, Kemlu has been uh, well positioned from a storage perspective. Uh, we have uh, long-term storage arrangements 
in uh, strategic locations um, in Savannah, as mentioned, also um, in Brownsville, Texas, in Houston, and also in Europe. So we were actually uh, well positioned um, for the, any any um, demand that was needed there. Um, in fact, we were able to sublease um, some of our storage uh, to other counterparties uh, that needed it, uh, which was helpful. So we were well positioned from that point of view. Connie, you mentioned that Chemlube sells base oils in the Mexican market, and we know Mexico in the past few years has been going through massive deregulation, replacing Pemex as the sole provider of crude and refined products. How is that deregulation process going? Has it been very disrupted by everything going on. I know that there was a slow slowdown uh, from Mexico as everywhere else, but you know how is business there? Well, Mexico uh, was really a growing segment for us this past year. Uh, we really had a significant increase in the, in demand. We have a lot of long-term customers uh, and users of uh, base oils that um, have always looked to us as a consistent supply. Um, so that's, we're now seeing a little bit of a pickup. Uh, clearly everything uh, slowed down to a halt uh, in March, uh, but we're starting to see it uh, slowly come back. And we're looking forward to that growing further for us in 2020. So away from Mexico and perhaps looking at other regions of the world, you mentioned Nigeria, for example, earlier. Which regions are looking the most robust for you and which regions are perhaps a little bit weaker? Well, certainly um, Nigeria, as I mentioned before, we are the leading independent uh, supplier there with very long-term arrangements um, and relationships um, in that region. We've also been experiencing um, some demand in the Middle East, um, another growing market for us uh, that's been stable um, during this crisis actually has been uh, South America. We have a growing uh, flexi tank market where we're able to ship in smaller uh, 6,000 gallon shipments um, that are loaded onto vessels. Um, so that's been a growing segment for us. And it's been, you know, it was down for sure uh, during the crisis, but it was uh, fairly stable for us. Patrick, you talked a bit earlier about options pricing and how the whole oil market is transforming from the negative pricing that we saw. And you mentioned the, the chance that we could see negative oil perhaps again. Um, how, do, how do you look at this market going forward and the options uh, that, you can, that you can buy and sell? Good question. Um, I actually, since it's happened, then it's gonna be in people's mind that it just might happen again. I don't think that it will uh, for two reasons. Um, they asked us to stay home here in the States for about two to three weeks. Uh, they kept saying 15 days and we were home 60 days plus. I don't think they're going to be able to get us to stay home again, uh, even if they come out and say uh, work from home. Yes, companies might, but uh, people are gonna keep their barber shops and their gyms and everything open. So I don't think we're gonna have that demand destruction. Um, 
anytime soon, at least, or at least I hope not. So I, I don't think there's going to be that destruction, but also I think the focus on storage, uh, there's always been um, a focus on storage, but it was something to trade around. Well, now it's a necessity, like Connie mentioned earlier that they're strategically set for several places around the globe where they have markets, they have storage. Well, I think the larger players are going to continue to value storage and prevent um, future disruptions that, that we had, uh, which made crude go negative in the first place. As for options, even though crude may never go negative again, it's got to be in your head. Options models had zero as the floor, but um, that, and we've seen crude go up to $150 and everyone knows it could go higher than that. But there was always this thought, well, if I sold $30, I could lose $30. Well, now it can go negative. So there's going to be at least, there should be in every calculation, the, the uh, floor is no longer zero. So uh, volatility prices um, will definitely increase. And I think every option model for any serious option trader um, has changed from this day going forward. Connie, final question to you. How is the industry adapting? How is ChemLube adapting to the work from home? You mentioned um, having cloud-based software, which helps a lot. How, how are you using that in order to get through this crisis? I, th I think for us, it's, the systems that we've had have been critical uh, for us to have uh, operational resilience. We have a cloud-based front-to-back system, which everyone is able to access from home. Um, it gives us uh, one version of the truth for all of us to look at when we're managing all of our exposures. Uh, it's been critical even looking at uh, global exposures because we're able to see our, um, the exposures between our the two companies, um, head offices in Switzerland and in New York. So that's been uh, critical for us. And I think that we were actually quite su surprised how, how well we, we transitioned. Um, as I mentioned, I think when we first started chatting that, you know, that we decided on the weekend on, I think, March 13th, that we were going to all start working from home on Monday, March 16th, after the governor closed New York down. Uh, we had started to plan, making sure that everybody had all of their uh, connectivity, computers at home. Um, but it went, um, it, it's been going very smoothly, I must say. Um, you know, for me, the system is, is, is uh, critical, um, as well as uh, the open communication with everybody on the operations team and with all our external counterparties. So we keep a pulse on um, the challenges in case there's anything new. Um, but the uh, we've been uh, sleeping at night from that perspective as far as the transparency of information and that we all are working with the same data. Um, it's um, made it a lot uh, seamless for us. Um, actually, today is the first day that I'm coming back into the office uh, for a moment and everything is, and we were even transitioning to even a paperless uh, environment um, <laughs> has been good. 
Patrick, who do you see as the biggest potential casualties of the COVID crisis? Who is going to come out of this uh, relatively okay? Who are the who are the potential casualties? Great question. Um, I'm afraid that the smaller shops are going to disappear. Um, ExxonMobil, Shell, ConocoPhillips, they're going to be around. They're going to be around forever. They can handle 60 days without money. I'm concerned about the three guys that broke away from a company. They have a niche market in Dallas and they're transporting gasoline from Lubbock to, I don't know, Houston back and forth. They, over the last 60 days, have had expenses. They've had rent, they've had salaries, but they probably haven't been sending out invoices. I'm worried about them. I'm worried about cash flow right now for the smaller guys. And if you think about it, who would you buy product from right now? Would you buy it from Patrick Hayes Incorporated or would you buy it from ExxonMobil? I mean, even if my price is better and I could be profitable, I could have cash flow issues. So when Connie mentioned credit is a concern, credit right now is a huge concern. Uh, risk management desk is always important. Credit is always important. But right now, I'm afraid some of the smaller shops are going to go under. And if someone decides to trade less with them because of that, then it might just speed that up. Connie, who do you see as the most vulnerable from the current crisis? I would echo a bit what Patrick is saying, but more with an emphasis on um, the folks that don't have the strongest relationships with their with their bankers, with their counterparties to really get the support. Clearly, liquidity is uh, cash is king. Liquidity is critical. Uh, I do think, you know, as prices go down, you don't have, you know, such a high need financially. Um, and I think it's how nimble and how trustworthy you are in your performance uh, to be able to get through and uh, continue the relationships. Although I agree with what Patrick is saying that, you know, some folks may not have you know, the backup cash in the bank to get them through the 60, you know, the 60 day period or tap into the government programs, which hopefully can help some of those folks. Uh, but I think the relationships um, are key and being able to still somehow um, negotiate the best deal you can to maintain your supply and your customer while managing all of your risks. Patrick, what's your perspective on the key elements that businesses need to sustain through this period? What Connie just said is, is exactly right. Um, relationships, when I first started trading in the, in the 80s and 90s, um, was everything. You knew who you were on the phone with. You actually picked up a phone and called someone. But now with these trading platforms, you hit a bid and you lift an offer and you don't know who the counterparty is until it tells you. But... Connie's right. Right now, it's it's back to relationships, and I hope it stays that way. Um, so I'm hoping, if nothing else, that this is going to bring clients a little bit closer to uh, to their producers, and um, more conversations over the phone are going to occur because it got to a point where everything was digital. And I understand everything will stay digital, but as she was saying, uh, relationships are everything. So. Um, if you can count on the other person on the other end of the phone, then you'll keep doing business with them. 
So we may be socially distant, but the relationships are looking like they'll need to deepen. Thank you for a fascinating discussion and insight into how the dislocation from COVID and the volatility in oil prices is really shape, shaping the industry and the markets. Chemloops, Connie Grossman and Inatex, Patrick Hayes, thank you. If you're interested in the topics raised in this podcast, you can get in touch at inatech.com forward slash podcast where you'll find more information and a big red button to subscribe for free and never miss a show that's inatech.com forward slash podcast we'd love to hear from you on the topics you're interested in we'll be back in a month's time when we'll be deepening our analysis of how oil flirting in negative territory as we discussed on this program has irreversibly changed the market for options contracts I'm Gavin Serkin. See you next time.